Hello, this is Alan Watt, and it is November the 1st, 2006, to do another blurb on the meaning of life. And for those who have this talk passed around through disc or tape, please check out my website at www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com where you can, you can actually buy DVDs, books, and so on that I've produced, uh, which goes further into these topics in the waking up process into the reality, which is more fascinating than any science fiction movie you can see. About things we've gone through Though it's hurting me Now it's history I played all my cards And that's what you've done too Nothing more to say No more race to play The winner takes it all the loser standing small Beside the victory That's her destiny I was in your arms Thinking I belong there I figured it made sense Building me a I would thought I would carry on a little bit more on the topic of cultural control, cultural creation, the indoctrination techniques which are used upon the public of every country. And it's done through ancient sciences going back many, many thousands of years. Albert Mackay or Mackie, as I like to pronounce them over here. I wrote a, a two-volume book on Freemasonry Encyclopedia. And as always, um, you have to read between the lines, and the more widely read you are on other books and topics, the more you will see the hidden meanings behind what he's saying. Uh, Joe Average typically takes the exoteric at face value which is amazing enough, really, 
and it's written in such a way as that they, you'll take that information and run with it, but never suspect that there's something else beneath it. And that's how Freemasonry works. That's how all religions work. There are millions of people every year looking for answers. And because of the culture they're born into, where you buy what you want, they pay lots and lots of money to buy all the books of flood outs onto the bookstores, onto the shelves for them to grab up and gorge themselves with, always promising to change them into something better because they're not happy with themselves to begin with. And the charlatans at the top understand this, and that's why these books appear, many of which are fairly cheap, but costly to produce, which tells you there's a reason, another reason for them being on the shelves, of being supported elsewhere by unseen people. Because this is all part of the culture creation as we leave the old and go into the new. You must remember there are many layers of revealing. And the word reveal means to reveal. It comes from the same root word as veil, to veil. So you're revealing the secrets as you expose lower understandings. And that's all the people get who go to the cultish groups, which are now authorized to exist. And uh, they're all over the place, having them all, all their, all their students chant and do all their, their alms and do their, their chakra shaking and um, looking for kundalini, the, the serpent, sexual power, etc., from the spine and, and all this stuff. And the spine is just 33 bones and hence the 33 degrees of Freemasonry. But they never understand what they're actually doing or how they're being fooled and how their minds are being controlled because that's really why the New Age was authorized to take over from the old. The same ones who ran the old system and the old religions have simply upgraded it to the next version, just like the computers and the programs for computers. It's not for the public's benefit, it's for those who want to access your computer. That's why they're upgraded and updated. If you had four people in Plato's cave who inherited their reality and their founding mythos, and that gave them the explanation of, the, of life, the meaning of life, the purpose, and so on. That's all very, very well. It would work very well if they never left the cave, if they thought that was their world. If you have a thousand people born into the cave and given the same founding mythos and reality myth, they would truly believe it, even more so because that's how we challenge ourselves, that's how we test ourselves, we bounce 
our ideas, which aren't ours at all, off our neighbors and friends? And if the answer in the same way, you think you're perfectly sane. And it just means that, that yeah, you would pass the quality approval stamp off the manipulators, those who have given you your reality. We've all been born into massive, pretty well all pervasive propaganda on almost every topic. Uh, the little bits of truth we get are vastly distorted for other purposes and reasons. And that's why with the plethora of media coverage today, television stations, radio stations, you can turn them all on at 6 o'clock and flick through the channels and you'll have the exact same stories in the same sequence. And you think that's all just coincidental. No, it's because all of the news is coming from one source, one authorized source. And the little people down below and all the little stations all the way down the pyramid know what's politically correct. In other words, they, they follow the authorized stories they are given in that technique, in that sequence, because in the sequence itself is not happenstance. There's purpose behind it. And the purpose is to make sure that you're indoctrinated, at least subliminally, at least subconsciously. Your conscious mind doesn't really have to take much of a hold on it because you have no say in the matter. It's the subconscious they wanted to work on because whatever the subconscious works on will work on you. It just takes more time to, to, to settle itself like, like a jelly poured into a mold. It has to fix itself. And all those opinions on things which you hear become what you think are yours. So, yeah, we're all in Plato's cave, a huge cave, planet Earth. To preface the next part I'm about to talk about, I would like to talk about people who have dogs. And every dog owner has noticed, I'm sure, the joy they feel when they take the, the dog to a park or a field or wherever they go and off comes the, the leash and the dog runs ecstatically. Uh, just pure, uninhibited joy. And we get joy from watching that because in our, ourselves, we, we, we understand the need for that and we share in the, the joy as the dog uh, flies all over the place and jumps and smiles, yeah. Because we don't have that kind of uninhibited release in our own lives. We're not allowed to. We are predictable, in fact. Our, our indoctrination, our cultural shield has been given to us, and we fit in to the made society, the authorized society, and yet people are so anxious deep within themselves, and they're afraid to let go once in a while and just let that joy pour through them. 
they're afraid of other people, what would be said, what they would do. We censor ourselves. We censor our emotions because we're taught that uncontrollable behavior is unacceptable. But then society tells us what is acceptable and what is uncontrolled behavior. And if you're not harming anyone else, why is it that we have a a special social face, the external face, the shield, more noticeable in some cultures than others. We find that Carl Jung wrote about different peoples in a psychological vein, and he talked about the stiff upper lip of the British where there's always this face of um, putting up with everything in the face of adversity and and uh, uh, bad luck and all the rest of it. You just keep uh, staunchly going ahead. But then he jumped to to China and Japan, where their social indoctrination has gone to an even further extreme, where there's a mask put on, a social mask where people try not to even look in each other's eyes in the street because eye contact um, is a statement in a a sense. Eye contact isn't just looking, it's communication. And if you truly want a controlled society, you don't want communication amongst people. And we saw this in the created scientifically created Soviet Union where people could not look at each other in the street in case in case the, the person was working for the KGB or, or a snitch because there's all these snitch programs throughout society where individuals ordinary individuals would be tested at work or on the way to work or somewhere by undercover KGB people to see if they were staunchly supportive of the system. And so the indivi- and they made sure the individuals knew this was happening. They report things in the paper, uh, so-and-so caught for, for anti-government responses or, or, or statements or thoughts even. And now we're using this term too here, anti-government. That crept in about the, the mid-90s. That was no mistake because we've adopted all of the techniques of the Soviet strata and system in the rest of the, the world. The, the Soviets were terrified to make eye contact. So everyone looked drab. They dressed drably. And they kept their eyes on the sidewalk, on the pavement, as they walked along with their scarves there and their their eyes just peering down. A great population for all the aerial spraying that we now have, and because uh, they never look up to see it, I suppose. So, yes, we are taught these particular ways of being for control, 
not of ourselves, but really controlled by the system and those who run the system. We are not guinea pigs because guinea pigs are experimented on. We are not experimented on. Anything that is done to us, including the spring, uh, is already all the testing has been done. They know exactly what they're implementing and they know exactly how we shall and will respond. So children, when they're tested early on, and this has been known for an awful long time, they're tested with various tests to see what they think of the adult world. And children have spontaneity. They can also uh, show their joy. And to parents' chagrin, it's usually at the wrong time. It's very noisy, almost hysterical to the parents' indoctrinated culture. Because we're taught always to be in control of ourselves and to always hide our emotions, at least subdue them. Unless you're drunk at a party, and it's okay to be uninhibited then. But children don't know these social rules, which again came from the top by those who've been taught the mysteries of the ages to use people and control people for their own ends. Children have a hard time knowing when they're allowed to run riot, uh, scream and jump up and down, uh, etc. It's, it's hard to know how these rules work. Uh, and there's different methods that parents use on children. Now, we've all been there, and the reason I'm talking about this is because it's given you an insight into the way you act now and behave now. Parents will often frighten the child. That's the standard technique. That, um, and, and a parent who doesn't want to, to go overboard and scold, uh, scold the child and risk some sort of alienation by the child will often resort to fairy tales and mythology. The bogeyman's going to get you. Um, and and that's so that, that in, induces a sort of fear into the child about certain things, going to bed, what's in the closet, uh, all that's under the bed, this kind of stuff. And it's done often with good intent with, with the parent who is not really conscious of the reasons why they're doing it, but they're trying to teach them the social rules. Children can become hostile when they're told not to be spontaneous. And that's where the trouble all starts. Because everything in this world, this system, I should say, really, is about control. Who controls who? When a child is taught to give up the feelings which they feel. They're first taught to give up the expression 
of the feeling they feel, the behavior, the expression, and eventually it's suppressed enough that the actual feeling itself goes, the spontaneity goes. Children are taught from a very early age not to show their hostility or their dislike of certain people. This again is a social indoctrination. The parents want them to be social in the same culture, albeit artificial, that they've been raised in and born into. They, they pass it on to the child. A child, when they don't like someone, they will show it very easily. They're going by instinct. They can't verbalize why, generally. They have a feeling about someone. And the parent doesn't want them to suddenly just turn their back to a, a visitor or whomever. So natural traits, survival mechanisms even, are taught to be repressed and eventually they fade away with the mechanism itself. We can feel hostility or the insincerity in someone. It radiates from them. Animals feel it too. Dogs sense it. It's a survival mechanism. So being this discouragement of the reaction the child has is come it comes the, the parents come down on it. They want the child to be mature, which is really the social social acceptable way of behaving. And the child then loses their ability to discern between someone who is deceitful or downright nasty or evil. They grew up into adults and they are easily manipulated from then on. The school system takes over, of course, even more so than today than before with its social group techniques of indoctrination. So yes, the children grow up and lose their ability to discern what is real, to, to deny their own instincts and eventually lose those instincts and they're socially manageable and malleable by the controllers. There's another aside to this because children are indoctrinated with feelings that they didn't create because they're taught then to like people and not to be critical and always to smile and be polite towards people. Again, the cultural part, the culture coming from the top. This eventually comes in through schooling and then on 
past schooling and is reinforced by the social and peer pressures around them, the cultural pressures. And yet when you look at all of the advertisements on television and in radio, with all the, the actors acting, selling you everything that's going to just make you so astoundingly happy from toothpaste, nail varnish, uh, treadmill machines, to whatever it happens to be, uh, you're being sold lies. Lies. And we sit and watch hundreds of lies every week. And no one in this cultural system thinks that's odd. They all complain about all the ads, but the basic reasons behind the ads, the fact that you're being lied to consistently, doesn't seem to bother them because they don't think that far. They've been taught that this is all acceptable because of the economic system we're in. It's acceptable to be lied to from childhood right into adulthood until you die. People see us everywhere They think you really care But myself I can't deceive I know it's only Everyone 
has had the experience of going through the checkout counter at a store or a grocery store and the generally it's young girls who work there and they, they have this automatic saying of have a nice day, have a nice day. How are we today, sir? And these are socially induced phrases from the top and the little bit of training they get, it's pathetic training for the pathetic jobs. They're told to say these things to the customers. So their, their behavior, their natural human behavior is suppressed. I'm sure none of them would be there if they had any other option. Doing this monotonous work. And I very much doubt they remember many of their customers until they've been through that checkout a hundred times. And if you didn't give them the appropriate, uh, again, trained response that the public have, or trained to give appropriate responses, no matter how miserable we feel, we were supposed to keep the stiff up our lip and say, well, oh, fine, everything's fine. And your heart can be breaking um, everything else in your life might be breaking but this is the nonsense that we're taught is acceptable in this society that we've been brought up in and forced to accept it's a scientific form of Darwinian socialism we live under socialism is not to help the people at the bottom the working class Socialism is a bureaucratic form and a scientific form of controlling the people at the bottom. Everything in this world is deceptive because the system was designed. It didn't just evolve happenstance with band-aids here and there and superglue. It was designed this way and it's never allowed to run away from those who control the system. Some of the worst indoctrinations we have is not from mainstream national news. That's bad enough. It's from your local television stations with their communitarianism. Everything's communal and charity drives and little events as they try to make you get you used to being involved in a, a community, a habitat area. You see, this is what all that's about. And then they have the police on with a PR spokesman, a police spokesman. Now, when you get a spokesman for a paramilitary organization, the spokesman is trained never to tell the exact truth to the public. They want to get an idea over so that you will perceive something in the way they want you to perceive it, not in the way you might naturally perceive it if you had access to all information. And you're being trained that that's the authority, and they're part of your community. And there's no doubt we need in this system, because it's guaranteed to have such tremendous fallouts, you need police forces 
this should be called services. Now everything is force. You'll you, you notice that. Everything is force. May the force be with you, eh? So everything that's put across to you is for a purpose. You can't escape it if you go into the, the realm which you, which, of which you think really is private enterprise, private business. But these television stations are all going by a formula. They're all granted licenses. You'll find at the top of them all, you're going to find Freemasonry and under one of its many, many, many names at the top and everyone at the top in it. And that's how things are managed. They know in Freemasonry because you, you obey orders without question. That's what you're told. And someone in this system, working for this system, gets on by joining one of these societies, swearing their oath of allegiance to them, uh, promising never to reveal their secrets to the general public, and, and at the same time they pretend they're charitable organizations for a fantastic front. It's hard to attack mum's apple pie. But they get on and they get up the ladder, as they say it themselves, Jacob's ladder, you see the degrees, the rungs are the degrees. They get up there by knowing not what to say, what not to ask. When they're told something, they don't ask why. That's a good boy, you see, in the club. That's what a good boy is. You don't ask why. That's why you can have plausible deniability, even amongst politicians. They work it out so carefully. Remember, most of them are lawyers in politics. It's their job to play with words and definitions and being very careful of what you say or do and you delegate things to other people. Then you get someone else to tell them to look into a certain area and then when it's discovered, you don't take the heat for it. You can plausibly deny it. Technically, you didn't know. And they get up there by not asking questions. They just send some things up, they go along with it, and that's a good boy or girl. And they're born, generally, into these families. Some of the most telling statements of truth in this system, and who are often quoted, these people, are members of, you might call the illumined ones, the Illuminati, the alumni from universities, the little clubs there too, are just a, a lower form of it. In most universities, and some of the higher ones, they are the real thing. You're illumined. Alumni. And you keep your mouth shut, and you shake hands, and you wink at each other, and you know how to keep secrets. That's how the system works. You don't tell the profane what you're up to. You lie for each other. Every mason swears they have to. If someone else is in trouble, you, you'll, you'll lie to get them out of it. But John Dewey, a man who was an ardent socialist and communist who puts, helped put together the American educational system, talks freely about the problems in the 1930s 
when everyone knew at the latter end that there was going to be this war with the, the fascist countries, the dictatorial countries. They knew it because it was planned that way. But this is what he said about the system in the West just before World War Two. The serious threat to our democracy is not the existence of foreign totalitarian states. It is the existence within our own personal attitudes and within our own institutions, of conditions of which have given a victory to external authority, discipline, uniformity, and dependence upon the leader, capital L, in foreign countries. The battlefield is also accordingly here within ourselves and our institutions. That was from Dewey's Freedom and Culture, uh, 1939. Now, people will not argue with that. And I found, although he's telling the truth, you see, he's also telling the truth from an illumined point of view. They're, they're very good at telling us the truth. Dewey here wanted to use more scientific indoctrination as they had in the Soviet system, where FDR's wife came back from a visit and said, well, the children aren't so spontaneous on their way to school as American children, but my, they're so well-disciplined and well-behaved. That's what Dewey wanted, even more uniformity. And rather than uniformity by external force, the Pavlovian technique of indoctrination so that you will do it willingly. You'll be, sense, you'll be a, a self-censor, you might say. That's what he wanted. But because he said it, many people would agree with him and follow Dewey. That's how clever these guys are. It's like Benjamin Franklin, another member of the Lumined Ones. Never mind his name, which is very revealing as far as coding goes. When he came out of the the hall after the, 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 they'd signed the, the American Constitution, and this was a Masonic meeting. Uh, they had guards on the doors to stop the public getting in the ones who gave you your freedoms. <laughs> and he talked about that, of course, and he alluded to it being Masonic himself in his own writings. And when he was asked by the public, what kind of government do we have? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. Now you can... You can look at that two ways, you see, because the Lumen Ones always talk. You know, white man would talk with, with forked tongue. Well, it's true. He knew it would never be kept. It was designed not to be kept. It was designed to be altered as time went on and as the founders knew the destiny and the purpose of the United States of America would gradually unfold. He said himself, Franklin and Jefferson, that the Constitution really could only work 
agricultural society and once they went into industry it would be totally altered it would, it would, it would needs be and it would happen anyway so they were well aware it was not for the general public if it was for the general public the doors wouldn't have been barred and the windows uh, all blind down but then again the Masonic Hall is the temple with no windows they always pull the blinds and that symbol of pulling the blinds is for the profane outside and it's also symbolic of the hoodwink for the individual in society as well Benjamin Franklin was the Henry Kissinger of the late 1700s Babylon did not simply disappear the elite and a system which had worked for such a long time uh, are not vanquished or simply give up all they have and, and go and get a job at cleaning the streets the elite always move on and they take with them the, the, the scientists, the social scientists which in those days were multi-layered priesthoods which understood human nature through millennia of observation and had perfected it it was fairly easy in those days when you had a, a very small minority with knowledge and writing they were literate and they were organized it wasn't difficult to rule over masses of people who thought the earth was flat people who were tremendously superstitious because the priesthoods encouraged superstition in fact many of the things that the people feared the public feared in ancient Middle Eastern areas were imaginings of the priests who taught it to the people and of course when you do that you always teach them that, that those people will need you the priests to keep you safe and this has to do with the system we live in today because mystery Babylon never died it simply jumped around from nation to nation really building up an empire in each one furthering the goal through amalgamation and conquest of one singular system, their system into what's coming about as world empire and their signs and symbols are all around you you're, you're born into it, it's everywhere you see them in all the major logos of the big companies, the big corporations and your average mason hasn't a clue either they're as ignorant as the people they pretend they're, they're above but the very high ones are taught these sciences life begins at 40, the 40th degree most masons don't know there's anything above the 33rd and they are in the dark as well so how does this system work? Well, we should remember that Marx, Karl Marx, another member of this Illuminous organization, was taught everything that he knew. In fact, most of his writings were given to him by a higher priesthood. He was really a hack journalist that was kicked out of Germany, uh, put up by the Rothschilds in London to uh, put forth the Communist Manifesto. 
and Engels was way more or further ahead of him in the understanding of the science, the dialectic. Uh, it's very similar to the Zulu uh, tactic of war. Uh, and the Zulu are a fascinating people who were given their culture and a special breeding program to make them very tall. They killed off all the ones who were small. And uh, Chaka, the Zulu, of course, was approached by white men. I'm sure he was taught the science of selective breeding. However, the Zulus, when they attacked an enemy, used what they called the horn technique. So people saw the head coming towards them off the bull, and they neglected to see the, the thinner horns gradually move out around them, and eventually you'd be totally encompassed. That's really the system that we're living in. We, we neglect so much in our lives because we're not taught to be on the lookout by our parents. When we're born into this system, we have needs, basic needs, which have always been understood. These were observed thousands and thousands of years ago, maybe even millions of years ago. Well-known sciences always kept secretive from the public because the public are the makers of all wealth for the elite. Labor is the only thing which makes anything in this particular type of economic system. Now, there are many economic systems, and or at least there were many economic systems. The New World Order, at least this phase of it, is trying to extinguish all other types. In some cultures, it would seem ridiculous to try and create and accumulate wealth and excess. It would have no purpose. In this Babylonian type system, the accumulation of wealth, one should teach the people what wealth is, because wealth can be anything. No, it must be the elite's idea, which is accepted, it must be accepted by the public so that they will also work for it, then it can be taxed back from them. Because all it does is a representation of labor. And Marx put this down, of course, in in his theories on communism. And it was true. However, they run both sides of everything, because just like the the horns of the bull, uh, of the Zulu attack, it depends on two horns, the dialectic while you're transfixed on the center, what you think is the problem. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. That's one of the prime teachings of the higher mysteries. Everything that's thought, done, said, has a a reaction, an opposite reaction as well. It's almost a law of nature. We are born into a system with needs which are survival needs, basically. We need sleep, food, clothing, warmth, shelter. We have to be protected. However, we are born into a system of religion, Uh, In the West, it was Christianity and Judaism. And in the holy books of all the world, including Christianity and Judaism, 
you have the rules of the esoteric written down for the elite to understand and follow because man must work. And we take it from the teachings we've, been, we've had in the culture that our parents had and grandparents had. We take it for granted that that means you go out and you do something in the system to earn money to buy the things you need. So money is controlled. Money was introduced. There are economic systems and structures which never use money, and many more so in the past. But everyone in an economic system, even those other ones which don't use money, uh, still require something from every individual for the maintenance of everyone in a tribe. You find even in the feudal system, the old feudal system, as opposed to the new one which has been implemented today, in the old system, you would become a serf. Uh, that would be your position in life would be reinforced by the religion you were given, and you would sublimate it. It would make sense to you. You might rebel a little bit, and then accept it. Uh, this is dynamic adaptation, they call it, as opposed to static. Static is when you simply dress differently when you're in Rome uh, uh, or, or somewhere else. Eh? But that is static. It doesn't affect your personality so much. But dynamic adaptation is where you you will adapt to situations and it will profoundly affect your personality or the way you will deal with things in the future. You sublimate frustrations, and you're often unaware of the conflict within yourself because you believe yourself. You come to accept something which was maybe unnatural, but you, you come to accept this outcome or what is done to you. Very similar to teachers in the old school in Europe, who would scream and yell and, and shout at the students like a sergeant major because that teacher himself or herself was brought up the same way. They don't see themselves from the outside. They can't analyze themselves. They think, because they've adapted, that it's, this is a natural way to teach. In other words, when you're born in this system, like all mammals, if your parents don't know there's something wrong because they've adapted to their life situations for survival. No matter how good or bad it may be, the conditions they live in. Then when you're born into pre-existing conditions, a system, and you're made to adapt because you as a child cannot alter the system. You'll be punished a big time. Today, those who have abilities for expression and communication and, and uh, become a problem at school because they ask too many questions, generally boys, um, are put on drugs, which literally shrink their brain. So they're out of the picture as far as leadership in the future goes. But when you suppress feelings or understandings and 
you will find that they still work on you throughout your life. The suppression itself will, will show itself in other forms. Your mode of life is determined by the particular peculiarity of the economic system you're born into. People may, as they get older, join groups because they know there's power in groups for change, whereas as an individual, you cannot do it. Uh, you'll be punished, as I say, or ostracized by a peer group. And this science of controlling groups has been of a tremendous benefit in the past and the present of those who control. They give you the outlets. They're authorized and you don't realize you end up being part of the very system that you're trying to alter. It's an interesting phenomena with this system of sadomasochism where those who feel powerless worship power. That's why even in the black communities where there's been more work done on them to destroy their culture from the, the ancient times uh, right down through the slave trading days. The men and women were segregated initially. The women were given favors by the boss men. And the men that uh, they could be mated with were demeaned and punished and made to seem powerless in, in the black woman's eyes. And that's why black women today still are the bosses and families they are real bosses. The men um, have never been allowed to be men. This was for control purposes by a scientific elite. Well understood because slavery is so, so old. This technique of manipulating the male through the female by his needs, his needs, the sexual drive, companionship, um, the procreative imperative is to say of survival and survival of your own species was understood thousands of years ago up to the present time. And Hitler, Adolf Hitler, understood this and he used parts of his speeches from ancient tyrants in Rome. Because when he quoted about the propaganda that the Nazi party must use in a time of uncertainty, which and it really was a time of uncertainty. It was, it was black and white. It was communist or, or Nazism. Those were the choices, again, the dialectic at work that the public were given. Both sides were funded and no doubt controlled by the same group. The followers never figure out that those they oppose are being run by the same capstone. But Hitler said, our propaganda must be based on safety and security. A lessening of worry, in other words, the survival uh, capabilities or necessities would be taken care of. This was preached, he said, it must be preached to the female because she will come to us. Women worship power in a man. That's why they can't stay with the men today. 
but in their heart of hearts they long for someone with power that's why in all the movies and dramas you see the heroes are so un- completely unnatural they are not bossed around the men know what they want they're, co- they're commanding um, they're intelligent they're not stuck on sports and have square eyes watching TV they don't have pot bellies uh, it's the joke version that you see in the comedies that men are taught really to emulate. And that's how women see them. So the women would come first to the one with power, the one who promised security and a plan, an agenda, whereas her own helpless little husband didn't have any at all. So she would come to the Nazis giving allegiance. And Hitler said, the children must follow her and then must follow the man. He has no option. And he was quoting Nero. Because these sciences have always been understood by those who are coached for leadership positions by the hidden priesthoods. The technique of control over vast populations has always been that of divide and conquer. We see it in the class structure which was deliberately created and used to put everyone into a group. You were born into it and you adopt the cultural values of that class. It gave you a sense of belonging, a tribal need, you see, which is now used against the people. The communist that really was working for the New World Order, as both sides always are, and and you have to have two sides to guide the herd into the compromise, which is the solution in itself. The communists knew they'd have to separate the children from the parents, at least mentally. And it's interesting that most of the studying on this very problem was done by aristocracy in England. That should be a clue to who ran communism. They also had to separate, apart from the generations, that way there's less communication history is not passed on they also have to separate the genders and George Orwell put this very well in 1984 the book and the movie the movie version done in England in 1984 to commemorate the book with Richard Burton and John Hurt Uh, that's a good movie to get a hold of there's so much crammed in there and people who are born into this system and who have been forced to adapt dynamic adaptation will look for the powerful and in the system which encourages power personal social climbing which we call success, you, you'll find that, that this is also used amongst the genders. 
an ancient technique once again. The same are the descendants of those who gave us marriage and marriage for life to work for as we built up their economic system for them. The same people, the ancestors, are now dissolving marriage. That's why it doesn't work for most people anymore. It served its purpose, and now everyone must be put into their subdivision, their, their substrata of, of class and gender and so on. So now you have many categories, uh, a pigeonhole for every type, you see. They're totally divided, totally conquered. And yet human nature itself, even when the people who are taught the slogans and brainwashed with the slogans of political correctness, which is also how you respond to things um, more on, in the manner of um, a conditioned reflex. And that's what a slogan really is. You, when, you, when you say something um, you, which is supposed to be offensive, people will immediately shout back some slogan that's become popular uh, from the top down through media and schooling. And that stops them from thinking as well as stop, it stops any inquiry into, into the, any depth of understanding about the actual topic itself. Because human nature doesn't change. It does not change. It's an interesting thing to see how men are portrayed and have been since the 60s, mainly on television. It was like a, a switch had been reversed and it came from the old hero stuff as, as the old system was nearing the end of its usefulness. And suddenly men were just jerks and fools and drunks and stupid. Always portrayed in the comedies where the children were much more intelligent than the, than the dad. Uh, the wife made all the decisions. She treated the dad like another one of the children. And that's to be the role model for the male. It's also symptomatic of the fact that the power, and it's all to do with power in all levels, and power can be married to respect, but it's all to do with, with the power structure being shifted to the female, not for the female's use. We, because of our egos, tend to grab hold of things which claim to give us power, but in reality, it's for someone else's purpose which works very, very well. The, the woman today, as I say, the black woman, the young female, has grown up generally with a, a, a mother who runs her life, um, has had different uh, men through the house. And when she's a teenager, she looks for someone with power. She goes for the gang leader. And it's the gang leader, the one who seems to have the answers, who's not afraid of people or, or the system or anyone else, that she will respond to. The black male himself has had his culture shaped from him, for him, including the music and the fashions and all the rest of it. That was given to him by the top, pushed through much music and Hollywood. And he adapts it at the bottom. It becomes a target 
uh, of criticism by society. This is intentional. This is absolutely intentional. But the same technique hasn't just been used on the black culture because every country that was under the Soviet rule has gone the same way, where the women were promoted to the top, divide and conquer. Uh, pretty well, the whole country, the Soviet system, was run by authorized NGOs. The leaders were generally always women. And the men uh, had their lower jobs. And now that the Soviets have pulled out, you have men who have no confidence whatsoever. Uh, millions of them drink themselves into the grave. The women are all leaving those countries. They're trained, they're educated, and they're looking for work elsewhere or marriage to, to men in other countries. Um, but they're neglecting the men in their own country. This was all designed deliberately so.
One thing. 